Inter Miami is slowly bleeding out, and the fate of this season is more and more seeming like a foregone conclusion. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, aka Miami Total Football Radio. Man, that was a good one. I like that one. I like that one. My name is Franco Panizo. I am part of the hosting team of this podcast, the number one podcast on all things Inter-Miami, bringing you the latest news, analysis, opinions, updates, insight, and more. And joining me on this week's podcast is none other than Jose Armando, a.k.a. PS5. Jose, he has been upgraded. He has gotten his PS5. Jose, how are you doing? I'm sure you're on cloud nine. Right, yes. I'm very happy. I have been upgraded officially, and I have to give you a lot of credit because you did help me out a lot with the contact there. So, uh, yeah, I'm very happy and, um, well, a little bit disappointed about the game on uh, over the weekend, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll talk about it. We will talk about that because it was another defeat for Inter-Miami with some more post-game remarks that were a big talking point after the match from head coach Phil Neville, but... We also have a special surprise on this week's Miami Total Football Radio episode. And that's because we also have on this week's podcast, Steve El Primo Brenner. Steve, how are you, man? How was your weekend? Good. Yeah, not not not, not so bad. Away from the soccer, great, great fight. If anyone saw it, Tyson Fury uh, versus Deontay Wilder. Stayed up to, to watch that after... Uh, Witnessing no knockout blows in uh, Miami's defeat in Red Bull, I witnessed about five in uh, Fury Wilder, which was awesome, and uh, yeah, ended the sporting day a bit better than it had done sort of three hours previously when we watched such a limp uh, result, unfortunately, which got Phil hot and bothered underneath his collar. It was not a great game from a soccer standpoint, and obviously from a result standpoint, we'll touch on that. We'll also touch on Phil Neville's comments on this week's podcast. We're going to touch on Gonzalo Higuain's visible frustration or visual frustration that's pretty evident and that was pretty evident yet again in this one. We'll also preview the upcoming game against the Columbus crew. Now, obviously, there's three of us on the podcast this week. So how is it going to work? Well, I'm going to be sort of a moderator here and we're going to hear from Steven Primo Brenner as well as Jose PS5 Armando because they both seem to have, from my experiences on the pod with each of them, they both seem to have very different opinions about the state of the team, who's who's responsible for it, the way things are working out, the the way they rate certain players. So I think we will see quite a bit of a disagreement on this podcast, but we'll see. Maybe maybe they'll just get along and, and be hugging it out by, by the end. Don't forget to give us a follow on all our social media channels if you haven't already. We really appreciate it, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. It helps us out tremendously. So we have a lot to talk about. We've got quite a few people to do it with. So Steve, Jose, let's get to it. Okay, guys, so we will start by recapping the most recent game, a 1-0 road defeat to the New York Red Bulls. The goal came in the 25th, 26th minute by Patrick Klimala after a very poor pass that was intercepted or that was a turnover from Kelvin Leardam. That proved to be the difference. Gonzalo Higuain did score in the 61st minute, but that goal was controversially, or maybe not controversially, called back because of an offside. 
And Inter Miami doesn't officially get a shot on target until literally the last play of the game in the 95th minute. So deep into second half stoppage time. This is the lineup that Phil Neville went with in the match at Red Bull Arena. Nick Marsman in goal. Your wingbacks were Lewis Morgan on the right and Breck Shea on the left. Your center back trio from right to left were Kelvin Leardam, Aime Mabika, who was called up or signed on a short term loan deal as part of the extreme hardship rule that MLS has when you don't have enough field players or healthy and available field players and the left center back was Leandro Gonzalez Pires who wore the captain's armband the midfield line was comprised of Rolfo Pizarro Jay Chapman and Blaise Matuidi regular captain Gregory missed this game he did not travel and then up top were Gonzalo Higuain and Robbie Robinson but We know Inter-Miami lost another goalless performance, the 13th time this year that they have been shut out. There's a lot to dissect in terms of the performance, but let's start with probably the biggest talking point, and that's that Phil Neville went into his latest tirade on MLS officiating and criticized the referees as harshly as he has all year. We won't go into exactly everything he said because there was a lot of things that he said. Most of his post-game press conference was about the officiating and how he, he... does not like the way the system uses VAR or doesn't use VAR. But what do you guys think? Let's start with you, Steve. Does Phil Neville have a point about some of the calls that have not gone into Miami's way this season? Or is this just his his point, his talking point, given the continued lack of results and the continued lack of goals? I mean, you know, it's one of those, isn't it? You can slant it either way. I mean, you, you know, you, you're top of the league, you're doing brilliantly you don't make too much of the decisions that go against you. But when you're scrapping at the, at the wrong end, like, like into Miami are, it's a couple of decisions don't go, don't go your way. All of a sudden you start complaining and people think, oh, it's sour grapes just because they're doing badly. So I do think, and I still don't understand, apparently they didn't, um, they didn't have the angle, um, the, the correct angle to look at the offside. And when I was watching it on TV, correct me if I'm wrong, I still didn't see the, the correct angle. You know, normally when you're watching the Premier League or you're watching anything else, you see that angle directly in line with the back four. It didn't show that angle. You couldn't see it properly. It was very, very tight. And there was no kind of resolution. You'll have to remind me what the actual, you know, the VAR regulations are on the offside. Because where where was the, what were they doing with that? And why didn't they have the correct angle? So I, so I don't know if the VAR in the, in the booth, wherever they are, don't have the angle. I think maybe the broadcast didn't have the angle and maybe they, you know, they see or we see on TV something different than what the booth does. I imagine the booth maybe has other camera angles and again, I'm assuming here, but I imagine that they had different angles and they saw enough to say, okay, it's offside. Jose, what did you think? What did you think? Because we we spoke the night of about about the comments, about the remarks from Phil Neville and about the game itself. What do you think? about his post-game comments because this is not the first time Phil Neville has brought this up. He actually has done this now in back-to-back games, back-to-back weeks. So what are your thoughts with regards to his post-game remarks? Well, I I was disappointed about that because, um, you know, the talk prior to the game was all about taking risks and going for five wins in seven games and just performing at a high level against opponents like the New York Red Bulls that you're supposed to compete with, right? Because... Um, listen, if you ask Inter Miami to compete against New England Revolution, it's going to be tough. If they can do it. They probably can do it in a, in a competitive game in terms of uh, emotion, 
uh, talking about the playoffs, the finals, so many things going on in a game like that one. But a regular season game is going to be hard for Inter Miami to compete against the top team in the league. But New York Red Bulls is nowhere near that. So um, it was disappointing to me that all, 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 all that was talked about after the game was the officiating. I get it, you know. Um, I see how that that can be a 50-50 call. To me, he's offside. But you know, if you're going to bring conspiracy theories about VAR, don't do it on a 50-50 play. You know, give me a little bit more than that. Give me a, some a clear angle that will actually let me know that he was not offside. To me, that's a 50-50 call. It could, it could have done either way. And um, I don't think that's the play to talk a lot about VAR. You have so many, so many plays all over the year that have gone your way as well. So, you know, these things happen all over the world. So I, I more agree with you on this one, Jose, because I do think that, look, bad calls happen in this sport. And maybe they've happened to Inter-Miami a bit more than they would like and a bit more than is average. Maybe, maybe. I will I will say that's a possibility. But the refereeing decisions are not why Inter-Miami did not have an opportunity or did not put a shot on target until the 95th minute. It's not it's not the reason that Inter-Miami has been held without a goal 13 times this year. It's not the reason Inter-Miami has scored just once during this five-game losing streak. So, look, I get Phil Neville's frustration the day after those comments, which weren't taken too kindly by a lot of people on the outside, media, fans from Inter-Miami, fans from other teams. Inter-Miami actually provided us with those images that they said, that Phil Neville said that they had that showed he was clearly on side. That was on Sunday. We put that out there. I was one of them that put it out there. I still don't think, based off the image they had from their their scouts or their coaching team that, that sits at, you know, at a higher seat in the stadium... I still don't think it's clear-cut. I still don't think it's obviously onside, just like I don't think it's obviously offside. I think it's a tough call, like you said, and I think that the remarks, while understandable to an extent from Phil Neville's perspective, you know, there, there's other things here at play. There's other issues that the team has, and it's not these refereeing decisions, in my opinion. Maybe they've been done hard done by, but they also had the Toronto FC game where there was a goal that looked like they conceded, and it wasn't called, and there was no VAR there, so... I think maybe Inter Miami's been a little bit hard done by. An argument can be made for that, but I don't think that that's the biggest reason for why they're in this situation. And I think some more reflecting needs to be done on that rather than pointing the fingers at referees, which will make mistakes, especially in a league like MLS where maybe the referees aren't at the highest, highest level. Steve, did you have anything else you wanted to add there with regards to the offside call? Because like, I, I don't think it was clearly onside or offside. Like you said, the images that Inter-Miami sent to us, you can see the near side center back a little bit more clearly, but it still doesn't look crystal clear that it's an offside call to me. But I don't know if you yeah. have a different opinion. I mean, no, no one's... No one's, no one's saying, making excuses saying you know, that's why they lost. They lost because they weren't good enough and they're not going to go into the playoffs because they weren't good enough. But I still do think they have a... That's not to say they don't have a a valid point in terms of, of in terms of refereeing and you know MLS and Don Garber they always say that they want to be MLS to be an elite league by you know I've, I've lost track of time now but whenever they hope to you know within the next five to ten years they want it to be seen as one of the elite leagues in the world but yeah so the, the, the officiating has to has to be up to scratch it's, it's, it's simple as that you can't you need to have every every everything in place and uh, they need to have the right protocols and if they haven't got the 
good enough officiating, they need, to, they need to improve on that. It's not why Inter Miami are not are doing well, and it's not why they're not going to qualify for the playoffs. But you can understand his frustration over calls like that. So you know, it's it's yeah, it's 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 not excuses, but it's still it's, that's I'll say it didn't happen. It's still there. So just to clarify, Phil Neville did say he thought the officiating from head referee Tori Penso was was a good one, that she had a good game. His beef was more in line, at least in this game, was more in line with the use of VAR or the lack of use of VAR because on the play, Iguain scores, an offside's called, and clearly they want to see a review. Gonzalo Iguain starts talking to Penso and asking for a review, and you can even see her mouth on the broadcast. She's like, we're checking, and I think she told him to, to relax. Eventually... A goal is given, or maybe there's miscommunication because Gonzalo Higuain took off happy as can be with his fists in the air in a in a joyous joyous manner, excuse me. But then, literally a couple seconds later, he turns around and sees that the call is actually offside and goal kick for the New York Red Bulls. So that's where Phil Neville had beef with the VAR, not necessarily with the officiating in this one. But he did say that they were cheated and that. He was, well, and he was fined. That's the latest update. He was fined earlier today on Tuesday, the day we're recording this podcast, for his post-game comments. He was fined by MLS for that. I, I can also uh, reveal that he was, um, he had a very good chat with them. Um, he, he came away from the the, the the conversation with the referee. I think it was Howard Webb he dealt with, the former Premier League official. But I'm not 100% sure, but um, he said they were very, very, he was very, very satisfied and you know that they, you know, they had a good, they had a good chat. So it's uh, that was, he didn't go in there ripping people's heads off. It, they've had a constructive chat about it, um, and then we'll see what happens after that. Well, we'll see if that lasts another week or two. If another bad call goes into Miami <laughs> way, uh, so let's dive into the game itself. The X's and O's over the course of the ninety minutes. Jose, we'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from this game from an analytical standpoint or just from a performance standpoint? What what did you take away with you on Saturday night before you hopped back onto your PS5? <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right on that one. Uh, well, listen, uh, I, I, I was, I don't want to say disappointed because I come to expect that right now I feel is very comfortable with playing with five in the back and um I would have been, I, I wished he would have changed that and played with four and be a little bit more aggressive moving forward. Um, but uh, I understand that they have been successful with five in the back. Um, for me, you know, it was more about the mentality of the team. And um, I guess it's really hard to, to just flip the switch on a team, especially a team that has been struggling in the last few games, and just ask them to become you know, an offensive team, which they are not right now. Inter-Miami is a team that relies on defense most of the time. So uh, it's hard to flip the switch. I don't know if it's even possible for for, for how things are going right now for Inter-Miami. So I was disappointed in the sense that, um, like I mentioned before, I think New York Red Bulls is a team that you can you can compete against. It doesn't matter if you're playing at home or on the road. And regardless of what happened the last time here in South Florida, I still think Inter Miami has the talent. You know, there are plenty of players that were not available and injuries as well. And and you have had a quite busy schedule lately. But still, with the with the starting eleven that Phil put out there, I think they should have done a little bit better. Um, maybe you know create a couple of chances. Um, feed off uh, Iwain, who I think by the way is having 
uh, had a, a very good game and overall a good a good last few months in the regular season. But for some reason, the energy wasn't there. And when you when you have a mistake like that one in the back, a lack of concentration, you know that was basically it for them. They were not able to recover mentally, and and that's that's the one thing for me. The, the mentally, how they were um, undecided to me of what they wanted to do, whether they wanted to be an aggressive team or they wanted to go back to what has been working for them, which is being organized defensively. So I'm going to ask you, Steve, for your biggest takeaway while saying that. I th- I think that there is some truth to what Jose is saying, or I agree with what Jose is saying to an extent, because the team dropped eight players, eight field players back with Pizarro in that midfield in a deep line, in a deep block at certain points. And that left just Gonzalo Higuain and Robbie Robinson up top, very isolated, very disconnected from the play. And when Inter Miami got the ball, they would lose it very, very quickly, especially in that first half. Inter Miami was probably a bit lucky to come away just 1-0 in that first half because there's, a, there's another chance from pretty close range that Nick Marsman makes a great save on at the back post. So it just wasn't good. It just wasn't good a good performance. And we know that the team can't score much or create much from this posture, yet Phil Neville continues to trot out this same formation with Robbie Robinson as the nine, Gonzalo Higuain operating underneath to try to create and facilitate some things that Gonzalo Higuain did pretty good. All things considered, probably in the top four or five performance for Inter Miami for my money. Robbie Robinson had, I think he had 14 touches, which was the lowest, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 14 touches from all Inter Miami starters, the lowest amount, followed right behind by Blaise Matuidi with 17. So I'm not sure why Phil Neville continues to trot out this lineup when it's clearly not working. But that's, you know, that was my biggest takeaway. Steve, what was yours? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the front two were isolated, but they weren't, you know, were they tracking back? You know, I don't think the instruction was just to stay stay, in, stay up top when everyone else is defending. You know, you've got to defend as a team and, as, and as attack as a team. And I, I don't know whether or not they were tracking back as much as they were, as they should have been, if not, they, if they were tired or, you know, just head-to-head started going down because they've played pretty much exactly the same way they played the whole season. It's just like, you know, other than those little good, runs in the middle of it you know just not not creating not scoring looking a bit susceptible at the back but but you know having the ability to maybe to shut it out and keep things tight as it was it was only one nil uh but yeah just never really looked like scoring but i don't think the instruction is for them just to stay up top i think that you know he wanted probably wanted them to track back and maybe work a bit harder you know we know that's probably not Iguain's game so much and, and as you say Robbie robinson's maybe not used to that position but I think it does involve him maybe having to to track back a bit more and help out the midfield then when the ball does break then he's in a position to to help out so just disjointed as it has been all season it's the same it's the same old story isn't it I can't I think all the games just all meld into one and they're just (laughs) all exactly the same if you watch them if you have the misfortune to sit back and watch all of them they're so similar you know probably a couple of games have been heavily thrashed but the ones that are tight are very very samey you know so well they have lost the last three games by a one to zero score so you know those all three have played out in similar similar styles we keep talking about the attack all three of us seems like we've all touched on the attack as, as our biggest takeaway from this one for one reason or the other regardless of what it is steve i will go back to you here why is do you think this attack is not working? What is if you had to if I said Steve El Primo Brenner, I want uh 
500-word story and an analysis piece on why Inter-Miami's attack has not clicked or has not worked in 2021. What would you say at this point in the season with 28 matches played and six to go? Why is this team struggling so much to put the ball into the back of the net to create things? Because it's not like you saw uh, the Red Bulls goalkeeper make any real spectacular saves where he was really tested over the course of the 90 minutes. It was all pretty, the ones that, or the one that was put on target was right in his hands. So it's pretty routine and Inter-Miami continues to struggle in that final third. Phil Neville has chalked it up to a lack of ruthlessness. Now, I've asked him why the team doesn't have that ruthlessness, given that they have quality. They have Gonzalo Higuain. They have Rodolfo Pizarro, who in MLS should be a decent player. Lewis Morgan has has shown in the past, I know he's playing right wing back now, but he has shown in the past that he can be dangerous in that final third. Robbie Robinson, when he gets in, in decent positions, on occasion can score goals. But why do you think... Primo, that it's not working for Inter Miami. The players, the players just haven't been good enough. It's not not been. No one's played well. When when, when was are we, we going to have some sort of Pizarro fan club now where you're going to just say <laughs> that he's been playing well for the last five weeks? Or you know, again, we've got the same old story. When has he ever played well? Oh, we had an assist against Montreal seven months ago. Oh, okay, fair enough. I mean, he he hasn't been good enough. Lewis Morgan has been poor. I know he said he's reverted to, to a different position now, but. There's no creativity in midfield whatsoever. Without if Pizarro's not doing it, which I don't think he ever has done in the first place, um, and you know, bless him, he's a trier. He's there's a good player in there somewhere. Again, I've said this a million times. Your but favorite line. It just hasn't happened for him. It just has not happened for him. He just doesn't doesn't produce. Iguain gets pulled out of position. Robert Robinson is a you know he's a young kid. Where, where's where's the midfield creativity? Where's the where's the PLO or where's the I don't know, Bruno Fernandez or whatever. Where's that guy? Where Where's that guy? He's nowhere. That's where he is. So, so, Jose, I think Steve took a shot at us there a little bit. I think he's saying, you know, that we both rate Pizarro. I'm not the biggest Pizarro guy. I do think that he's better than maybe Steve gives him credit for being, but... I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying that he's a bad player. He's a good player. He just doesn't... Oh, I, 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 again, I agree with you. I agree, I agree he with hasn't you. Produced. There's a player in there for sure. I know it. And I know that Phil Neville knows that. But, you know, we talked about it. What's what's that? What's his sell-on value? Who's going to buy him? Honestly, who's going to buy him? Well, you I show a showreel of, of, of Inter Miami highlights. I mean, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? I, well, I agree that he hasn't performed up to standards. 100% on board with that. I just, I don't agree with the attack not scoring is because of Rodolfo Pizarro. There's a lot of issues there. But, but, not just him. Well, I, I asked, you know, but I asked, I, I said, what is the, what is the reason? You, you gave me just Rodolfo. You just gave me one reason. I, I want the, the deeper analysis of why Inter Miami is not scoring goals. Well, listen, I, I would say that I agree 100% that Pizarro should have performed at a higher level, but I think it's in the coaching staff as well. Um, find a way to make him comfortable. On the field, he was talking about it just a few weeks ago, about how Pipite uh, Wain liked to come back and get more touches, and um, you know, I, I believe he, he didn't like that. He doesn't like that happening um, because uh, that takes opportunities away from him, and um, and so that's that's Phil's job to find a way to make them both comfortable and to make them both work together talking about uh, uh, Rodo and, and, and Pipita, of course. 
And, you know, I think Inter-Miami, when it comes to the attack, they are way too predictable at the moment. And if you see um, the way Pipita moves around, most of the time, you know, he gets the same touches of the same place, looks to turn around from the middle of the field, and he tries for a give-and-go if it's there. If not, he tries to take on two defenders and then take the shot. It's basically the same over and over again. And if we notice that, I'm guessing coaches around the league already know that as well and know how to, uh, you know, how to handle that. And so I think that's that's the problem. And to me, um, and, and this is going back to the last game, this is one of the disappointments that I had because I heard Phil talk talked about uh, taking risks. And um, I don't know if he did. Honestly, yeah. I don't know if he did when it comes to the lineup. Um, and so that's what I wanted to see, something different, something that will surprise us and that will surprise everybody else. But, you know, I guess he didn't have enough time to, to try something else. So many things that could have gone wrong or or just he probably had the, the belief that he, the team could perform uh, at a higher level with that formation. But um, going back to the question, to me, Inter-Miami is way too predictable right now. So I'm going to combine your guys' responses because I, I think to Steve's point, yes, Pizarro hasn't performed up to standards, but I think that can be said for a lot of players on this team. Share some responsibility. They shoulder some responsibility. But I also, to Jose's point, also think that Phil Neville shoulders some responsibility here. Now, we know the team has become a very defensive-minded team. That's given them their best runs of form this season. It's given them the be their best results when they've closed things up at the back and, and been more competitive and then, you know, been opportunistic with their finishing or found ways to get it done at, at the other end. But right now, they need goals to win games, to get points, to make up ground. And they're, one, still taking a defensive posture, which in this one can be understandable because they were missing two of their starting center backs but I still just don't see enough risk-taking. I don't see enough attacking ideas. And I don't see an attacking identity from Inter-Miami. If you see them play with the ball, when they have the ball, the few times that they have the ball, what? Wh how would you describe how they play? Because I don't see a crystal clear idea there from this group. I, I see individuals that are trying to make things happen on their own, whether it's Lewis Morgan bombing down the right wing and trying to whip in crosses to players in the box, or it's Gonzalo Higuain dropping to pick up the ball and try to create from deep. Besides that, I don't see patterns of play. I don't see repetition. I don't see good movement. And I think that comes down to Phil's approach and Phil's tactics. And obviously when you have so many numbers back, limits how much you're going to be able to get going forward on a team that's already limited as is with what they have so for me there needs to be some change there a possible solution or possible solutions here so it's not just sounding like we're criticizing we can we can offer up ideas whether they're right wrong we can offer up ideas of what we think could be solutions for me start Federico Higuain who's your more traditional or the closest thing you have to a natural number 10 on this team who earlier this season showed he can connect the midfield uh, or excuse me the defense to the attack with a lot of quick passes and a lot of movement in that middle of the park. You could start Julian Carranza over Robbie Robinson if you want to stick with this this two-man front line where Gonzalo Higuain's dropping back a bit and you want to have a more traditional number nine ahead of him because Robbie Robinson is not getting the job done there. Or you could go back to having Robbie Robinson out on the wing. There's different things 
Phil Neville could do, in my opinion, to address this. And all we're seeing is the same tactics over and over and over again. And they, they haven't worked, so I don't know what's the thought process behind continuing to do them because nothing is saying, hey, look, you're going to score goals playing how you're playing. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel. Jose, Steve, whoever wants to start or wants to chime in on there or add anything to that because it's confusing to me, it's perplexing to me, given the situation that Miami is in, that they keep trotting out the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone, no, no one's, no one's has, has covered themselves in much glory, have they? Really, you know, the players haven't been great, and yeah, the coaching staff haven't got the most out of the, the squad. And yeah, if you if you think that the tactics are sort of questionable, yeah, I mean, it's, I just think he's limited with what with what he can do. I just don't think he has an enough attacking sort of talent there. I just, I, I don't, I don't know what Jose thinks, but no, and and it is true because, um, you know, as you look for solutions, um. You probably point out to Carranza, and um, from what we have seen from Juli this year, it's very hard to fight for him, right? I mean, think about um, what's your argument in a conversation with Phil, telling, asking him to to start Juli Carranza. I mean, where do you start, honestly? I mean, I would start with Robbie Robinson. I would start with Robbie Robinson saying Robbie Robinson is not getting it done up there. He's played there now three games in a row, started, got an ample minutes, and has, I don't even think he's put a shot on target in those three games. So that would be my starting point. It's not necessarily that I think Julian Carranza is this great player that is should be starting every single game. I just don't think if you're going to keep playing this way that Robbie Robinson's your guy at the number, number nine. And that's why I think it's t- maybe time to do something else, try something else, which we haven't seen. Look, Carranza had a goal negated rightly or, or uh, unfairly a couple of weeks ago against the Portland Timbers. Had that foul, foul not been called, then he's got a goal under him, and then maybe maybe that gives Phil Neville a little bit more confidence. But I, again, to me, I just think the, the argument is more along the lines of Robbie Robinson's not cutting it as the number nine. You need to change something to try to get more out of the attack because you're, you're banging your head against the wall, in my opinion, by continuing to do the same thing over and over and over again and seeing no results from that. How about asking Pipite Wayne to actually play in his position? Absolutely. And, play, Absolutely. and forget about what he wants and make him do what the coaching staff wants. Is that possible? I don't uh, know if it is. Honestly. I, don't know. I think but, he, potentially he's a difficult guy to deal with. And, you know, it's not, I don't think it's, I don't, wouldn't say that it would be a very happy squad. That I know that there are players there that, that they want to try and move out, and you know, it's not. I don't think it's a happy, a happy environment or a happy squad. And then, then you get problems with that, you know, like, yeah, players maybe not obeying instructions or being difficult or those kind of things, you know. So it's you know, it's symptomatic of just the team not doing very well, I think. So let's let's pick up from there because it's clear that Gonzalo Higuain, from just his reactions, his body language on the field, he's not a happy guy right now. He's very very frustrated. With this team, with the results, he's constantly flailing his arms up and about. I actually told another colleague, not not one of you fine gentlemen, but another colleague I told that he looks like one of those uh, airmen that you see at car dealerships that flail their arms up about because they have the wind blowing through them. That's what Gonzalo Higuain looks like to me on the field because he's always, always frustrated. And I think it's getting to the point now where they need to have a talk with him because look i get you can show frustration it's normal it's natural but the manner in which he does so and the frequency with which he does so at this point is is a little bit too much in my opinion 
And something you touched on, uh, Steve, and I think Jose and I touched on this a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how much control or how much respect Phil Neville has commanded from the likes of Gonzalo Higuain, for example. Because tactically, they wanted to see him up top at the start of the year. Now he's dropping back and playing as the 10. Is that what Phil Neville really wants? Or is that Phil Neville just trying to adjust to Gonzalo Higuain as opposed to Gonzalo Higuain adjusting to to Phil Neville. Look, Phil Neville is in his first coaching job at the club level, his first time dealing maybe with very, very, very large personalities like Gonzalo Higuain. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's try- he's still learning how to manage personalities like that in a locker room and on the field. Because clearly, I think, I think, my opinion, I think Gonzalo Higuain, if he had a little more fear for repercussions for being so demonstrative in his frustration or if he had a little more respect for his head coach I don't think he does that to this extent now he's always definitely shown frustration even in his days in Europe Argentina but it's never been quite to this level obviously he's never played at this level prior to this so I think that's obviously a big part of it here but I think that the 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 relationship there between Iguain and and Neville is is maybe not the best. I don't know what the relationship is like, but I think I can trust Phil in this one that he um, he can actually handle what uh, Pipita brings to the table on and off the field. Um, just because he was a player and he played at the highest level, um, I think this is some this is part of the coaching job that uh, being a former player can actually help you with. So I think he can handle that. Um, I think Pupita is doing very well in terms of effort, but I think he's frustrated most of the time with Robbie. Um, I don't know if they have had any conversations of what they want to do and how they want to work together, and maybe Robbie is not following on that. That could be one thing. But yes, I've noticed that he's very frustrated with Robbie. There's especially a play in the last game in which, you know, he feeds the ball Robbie in a very good position and Robbie just takes the shot and, you know, he was careless with it and, you know, just not good enough. And so, of course, Pipita is used to playing at the highest level. And so um, I guess he he would have expected more from a professional player on that play. But um, I think it's all about, you know, letting everybody else and everybody involved with the team to, to believe in what the system is. And um, if you're PPTYN and you have to be a number nine all the time, then so be it. But it feels like right now, I think Pipito wants to help, but probably with him helping, he's taking out of the picture some of his teammates that would actually be performing um, at a good level. And he's just trying to take on so many things right now, and it's just too much for him. So, so you, Jose, you said, and I, we can we can round out this thought here. You said you think that there's you know that Neville can manage the the personalities like Iguain. But I asked both of you this question: Do you guys agree that this is not good for team spirit? The frequency and the manners with which he expresses his frustration, shouting, flailing his arms about on a very frequent basis. Do you guys agree that that's not good for team spirit? Do you think that, 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 do you agree with me that that does not help the likes of Robbie Robinson maybe perform or any, or that other players see that and are like, they don't see that necessarily with a good eye? 
No, man, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an emotional game. It's a passionate game. They're not playing well. He's getting frustrated. It's just, it's not, I mean, it's normal. What, what's he going to say to him? Don't no, show no. your emotions. Do you, but do you, think, do you think other players see that with a good eye? No, I, I, don't, I honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, it's a problem at all. No, I think people like to see people that are passionate and, and want to win. You know, I, I remember we, we reported earlier in the season when they played a preseason game against Miami, and, and I spoke to one of the Miami players. He said Higuain didn't stop moaning the whole game, the whole game is moaning, constantly moaning. Right, but right. Th- don't you think that impacts the the team? Don't you think that that impacts the the way players are? These are not these are not this is not a video game. It's not you know there's there's actual these are actually human beings that have feelings. And if you know one of the players, regardless of who he is and his accomplished resume, some players might be like, well. You know, this guy needs to just shut up and play and just get on with it because constant moping, like you just said, isn't necessarily the isn't necessarily a, a redeeming quality. I know, man, but they're all the best players. Look at Ronaldo, or you know the attitudes that those guys show. You know, Iguain's played at all the big, some of the biggest clubs in the world, been one of the world's world's best players. It's all about ego, isn't it? You know, it, it must be hurting for him to have been such a top player. He's come to MLS. He said he already said that quote about he thought it'd be easier. Yeah, it may have been it may have been mistranslated, slight taken out context slightly, but he still said that he felt that it would have been easier than it is. And you know he should have been ripping it up in the twilight of his career and going sail off into the sunset. You know with a MLS title and it hasn't been anything like that. It's been really hard. He's just getting frustrated with it. We know there's been problems behind the scenes. There's the sad passing of his mother that didn't help. All these kind of things. You know the, the stuff with his weight. You know, when Neville basically said you're overweight and dropped him, you know, that would have hurt him. That would have hurt him as well. So it's, you know, we're, we're just tapping on the surface at a lot of different problems that, are, you know, uh, you see reflected in the results. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But you've got to be passionate, man. You can't just walk around with nothing. <laughs> behind you. I'm not um, saying, no, see, you're, 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 you're building a scarecrow argument because I am not saying he shouldn't show passion. I absolutely think he should show passion. I think it's normal. I think it's fine. But I think he has gone overboard in doing so. I think he's probably made Robbie Robinson feel not very appreciated playing next to him. And that obviously maybe doesn't let Robbie Robinson fully express oh, we himself. We don't know that, man. You don't know that. But we don't know look, that, look, do we? I, 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 All right, we, we, spoke, we spoke. We don't know that. Jose and I spoke today to Chris Henderson at, uh, at an availability they had at Drive Pink Stadium. And one of the quotes, yes, yes. one of the more redeeming quotes, in my opinion, that came out of that was when... Henderson said in a longer response, and he didn't name names or anything of the like, when he said about next year's approach or the approach to next year, given the sanctions, that they have to make smart decisions and that things can change quickly in this league and that adding two to three players can help change the culture and the statistics throughout the year. Now, two to three players to change the culture... I don't think that means end of the roster players. I don't think that even necessarily means middle of the roster players. I think that means top of the roster players. And I fully expect, and I know you've reported this, Steve, over multiple times this season on this podcast, that Inter-Miami will look to move at least one of the DPs. And I would not be surprised if they try to move all of the designated players because... They'd love to. Yeah, so, sure. So, so I'm, I think, I think that they're... When we were started with Iguain here, I think his his demonstrative frustrations are uh, have become an issue for the team. His constant griping, his unhappiness, I think that that has not impacted the team in a positive way. Yes, you can be unhappy with performances and and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but to the extent that he does, I don't think 
that it's a it's a it's a net positive for Inter Miami. Jose, is there anything you want to add there, or do we close out here? Yeah, I'll just I'll just add add a quick thought. You know, I think that's a situation that comes down to the relationship as well between players. I think we have we all have played with with a teammate that's just like Pepita, constantly complaining. Everything that he does is perfect, and everything that everybody anybody else does and it's not good, he complains about. But it comes down to the relationship that you have with that player. So um, I don't know if Robbie and and Gonzalo uh, are good friends. If they talk most of the time, I mean, I think they should, right? Because I mean, they play together and they depend on each other in every game. But you know, I, I think it comes down to relationship. If the relationship is not good, then of course Robbie should be frustrated about the way he reacts. But you know, if they know each other and 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 Robbie understands the, what he means with constantly complaining and is not offended by it, I think that's that's fine. It's just part of the game. So we'll leave it there because we've had quite a lengthy discussion here with regards to this recent game. I will add that Ayman Mabika made his MLS debut, the Fort Lauderdale CF center back. Thought he showed some very positive signs, some good starting points for a player in his first game. He didn't have... A flawless game. There were some issues that he had, but you imagine that he'll work on that as he gains more and more experience. So keep an eye on him. Maybe not this year, but going forward into 2022. Let's take a quick break because we have to come back and preview this weekend's game against the Columbus Crew, a game that could very well seal Inter-Miami's fate if they do not at least get something out of it. So let's take a quick break, guys, and we'll come back and do that after this. We've been cheated tonight. Uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but ultimately, ultimately, something's fundamentally wrong with how referees are treating into Miami. Atlanta, we were told it shouldn't have been a penalty. Portland, we should have had two penalties on Robbie Robinson plus the goal. And tonight, we had a goal given, disallowed, given, and then disallowed. Now, ultimately, we're playing in, in, in one of the best leagues in the world. I'm having one of the best experiences that I've ever experienced in my football career. But ultimately, I've got a dressing room. I've got a dressing room there that's asking real, real questions about the integrity of this this league, this league in terms of decisions that we keep getting. So ultimately, we can't accept this anymore. There needs to be a massive investigation about some of the decisions that get that get get given against Inter Miami Football Club. Okay, guys. So the next game for Inter Miami is yet again on the road. They take on the Columbus Crew on Saturday at six p.m. in Columbus's. Brand new stadium, lower.com field. The worst name for a stadium, by the way. The worst <laughs> name for a stadium. Lower.com stadium. I mean, oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> well, the Columbus crew are also in the playoff hunt. They lost to Inter Miami by a 1-0 score not too long ago here at Drive Pink Stadium. That's the game where Phil Neville and Kayla Porter, Columbus Crew's head coach, had a bit of a of a run-in. Jose, what kind of game do you expect this weekend? And what do you think Inter-Miami brings to the table? Are they, will they be defensive-minded again? Or will they take a few more chances and gamble a bit more? What do you think? Uh, I think, you know, I, not a lot is going to change, unfortunately. I hope, I hope, I really hope Inter-Miami um, switches things up a little bit. Just because, you know, you're we have, what, six games to go. Um, there's no relegation battle here, so there's not a lot to worry about if you end up losing four of the last six games. I'm thinking Toronto and Cincinnati should be, um, I mean, that shouldn't be much trouble for Inter-Miami, especially at home. 
So, you know, just go for it. I mean, uh, you have nothing to lose, honestly. You know, uh, nobody expects Inter Miami to make it to the playoffs. I think even Chris Anderson this afternoon, I mean, he said what he needed to say in terms of, well, as long as there's a chance to make it to the playoffs, uh, I'll stay positive and I think we're, we're going to make it. But, you know, that's not exactly the answer of a person that is convinced that this team is going to make it to a <laughs> exactly. exactly. Go for it. Just go for it. Yeah. Steve, Primo, what do you think? Actually, Primo, before you answer that, I just remembered and I had to tell you this because I haven't told you this. I watched the new James Bond movie over the weekend with my family and there was a character in the movie whose name is Primo. So you've officially made it into a James Bond film. Well, I wasn't, you know, I... I know I was away for a few weeks. I did say I was covering tennis, but I was actually <laughs> starring in the new James Bond film. Just thought I'd let you know that now. Um, so there you go. Yeah, I, I hated yeah, it. Like, by the coach. way, I hated the movie. I love James Bond. Well, love the whole franchise. Hate the movie, but we'll we'll. I, that's going to be I'm, my final thought. I'm just letting everyone know know that. I'm not now. a Bond. I'm not a Bond fan, so you can follow that with talking about uh, your ratings for FIFA. <laughs> um, so Steve, what do you think then about? The match on Saturday, what do you think we'll see from Inter-Miami in terms of their attitude or their mentality or the way they come out and play this one? Well, it could be a bit feisty, couldn't it? Like you say, what happened last time between the two coaches. Uh, um, Columbus still in, in with a shout on. they only six points off. Uh, I mean, something's got to crack now. You, know, you, you never know. With the pressure kind of not pressure off totally, but you know, with the sort of hopes of the playoff receding, you think maybe they'll just... So hell to the wind and, and, and really go for it. But uh, what I will say, just uh, MLS, you know, that's what they want. Always want parity, don't they, in the league? To, so anyone could beat anyone. That's that's why they have that system. You know, you look at that, the people outside the playoffs. Atlanta, you know, won the title recently, didn't they? Columbus, they've had good runs in the past. So have Toronto. You know, it's 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 difficult. It's, I think it's a difficult league. And I think they're finding that into their second season, just how hard it is. How hard it is, you know. Austin also rock bottom in in the West. Um, you know, Cincinnati came in at the same time as Miami, right? So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult league if you don't get it right. If you don't have the right players, it's, it's very very tough. And Miami don't have the right players right now. Okay, so what is the key to the game, Steve? We'll we'll stick with you. What's the key to the game for Inter Miami? Because you're, I think you're saying that you expect them to well, you want them to come out, but do you expect them to sit back? Do you expect them to, to do the same thing, playing away from home against the Columbus crew, which are also looking for points, will also be looking for the win because they yeah. need to push for the playoffs as well and they they'll have their home crowd behind them. So do you expect Inter Miami to be defensive or you know what you know, how do you see this game unfolding? What is the key to the game for Inter Miami? Yeah, it's the same key as always. They've just got to try and, and score goals. I think if they can get ahead, if they could score a goal and take the lead. I'm, 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 they could defend it, but it's, it just, it's never like that, is it? Really, you know, they need one of those those players to step up. They need some creativity in, in midfield. Um, yeah, it's it's the same, the same old, same old things. I just um, like I say, it maybe with the pressure slightly off, and that you know they probably accept that getting to plus is very difficult. Maybe that just free them up a little bit, and maybe they'll be able to express themselves a little bit more. You'd like to think that's the case. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Jose, what about you? What's the key to the game for Inter-Miami in this one? Because I fully agree with you that I think Inter-Miami should risk it, should take more risks, should go for it, should try to score goals and find a way to win by being more attack-minded. And if they give up goals, then so be it. You live with that, but at least you tried. But I don't think we'll see that. I think they'll be 
cautious. I think they will try to withstand Columbus's waves of attack and then try and pick and choose their spots as they have for much of the last few weeks. But Jose, what is the key to the game for you? Well, I think Inter-Miami, they have two options to get three points. The first one would be bring the element of surprise to the game. And the second one, maybe you get a call from the referee that goes your way this time. <laughs> so you have the hope that Lady Luck uh, or that things pan out your way, which they haven't as of late. So it's a difficult one for Inter-Miami. Another tough matchup. A win here could maybe put some wind in their sails and maybe give them a slight you know, glimmer of hope. If they lose this one, I think it's practically done and dusted. Maybe not mathematically, but it'll practically be done and dusted. Prediction time, guys. What do you think Inter-Miami does on Saturday? Does Inter-Miami get a win? Does it get a draw? Does it get a loss? Jose, we'll start with you. Uh, I think they they will drop this one, and um, I think they'll score a goal. I think it's going to be 2-1 Columbus. Okay. Steve, you're up. I mean, when you when you walk out at Lower Dot Com Stadium, you know you just feel so inspired by you know that that wonderful name. Uh, nothing to do against Lower Dot Com. I'm sure it's a wonderful uh, organization and company, but uh, yeah, bad stadium name. Um, I'll go three one. I think yeah, go out all guns blazing, or at least try to. Um, yeah, like I say, they've got to go for it. It's it's it's, it's on the line now, isn't it? But. Um, Saturday was pretty deflating and you kind of just see it being more of the same really unfortunately so 3-1 defeat defeat yeah okay I will say I think a draw I'm just trying to decide if I think it'll be 1-1 or 2-2 I'll say a 1-1 draw I don't think Inter Miami will score two goals I think they need to push I think they need to take chances and live with the results, but I just don't see anything that says that Phil Neville is going to take that approach. Even even with the substitutions and the way he's managed games, I just don't see them being that attack-minded, although they absolutely need to be given the situation. We'll leave it there for the preview. It was a pretty quick preview, but that's because both of you have to run, so we'll come back, or I'll come back after this to do the Q&A session on my own. I thank both of you, Jose, Armando, and oh, Steve. You make it sound bad now. I mean, that, you know, you're like, well, we're deserted. We're like into my players deserting you. <laughs> you're the Phil Neville of radio shows. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. well, listen, when I, if, I, if I say, if I don't say bye to you guys now, and then I come back in the next segment and you're nowhere to be found, then it's like, well, where the heck did they go? And how are we going to just gloss, uh, yeah. gloss, gloss over I, that? You're, so. you're, you're hanging this out to dry, thinking that we're just leaving the podcast in high and dry. You guys, you guys, have, you guys, you guys are uh, our family men, which I completely understand. So I think both I'm of you... I'm actually going to play tennis, but yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to go, you're going to go play with James Bond, huh? Um, no, look, yeah, me and Daniel Craig, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, to, to get all three of us on at the same time in the same time window was is a challenge because everybody has their different schedules and different agendas. So I understand fully that you guys have th- other things to do and this was the window we could get it in. So I appreciate you joining us here for these first two segments. We will get you guys back on very soon. Don't worry, they're not going anywhere. This is just the start. So thank you, Steve Brenner. And thank you, Jose Armando, for joining me during these first two segments. And I'll talk to you guys very soon. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with the Q&A session after this.
Okay, well, that was a lot of fun having both of them on. Clearly, we all have our very differing viewpoints. So at some points, Steve and I agreed. At some points, Jose and I agreed. At some points, they agreed and I did not or they did not agree with me. So that was fun. We'll try to do more of that in the coming weeks. We might even add somebody else to the mix as well. I have a few ideas for that as well as different wrinkles that we might introduce to try to keep things fresh and entertaining for you guys on the podcast. But it's Q&A time, so let's jump right into it. The first question comes from Joseph E. Now that our chances of making the playoffs are slim, as we look forward to next year, are you more excited for next season's roster or are you pessimistic? I'm personally excited to see our homegrown. So I will just answer that by saying, and this might be riding the fence, but both because I think that there will be a new wave of players, an influx of additions that will come in, obviously within the roster limitations or the salary cap limitations. But I think there might be, I think at least, not information here, just my supposition from the outside, I think that there'll at least be one new DP in the mix and that will obviously be something to be excited about. There will also be some faces from the academy. So on that And I think that there's reasons for excitement, but you also have to take into consideration that there will be limitations in terms of the additions they can bring in and in terms of the quality of the additions they can bring in. So that will definitely hinder the team. Chris Henderson said today, Tuesday, when we spoke to him, that he has a plan in place already, that they have to be very smart. He didn't say very, but he said they had to be smart with their moves. I wrote a piece for that on Miami Total Football Substack. So check that out if you haven't already as he dives into that and several other topics regarding the team. It was his first availability with local press since I think, if I'm not mistaken, since the start of the season. So look, there's reasons for optimism with the roster next year, but there's also reasons to be concerned because they will not be able to replace the amount of quality that they will lose. It won't be pound for pound the same amount of quality next year, but expect some pretty significant changes. Jorge Medina with the next question. If Neville gets the sack at the end of the season, who would you like to see come in to take the team over? That's a really good question. That's a very, very good question. I think they would probably go MLS if it happened. I don't, you know, right now on the top of my head, I couldn't really give you a name, but I think if he did get sacked, I think that they would go with somebody from MLS. I think Chris Henderson would go with someone that knows the league that is familiar with the ins and outs, the the intricacies, the difficulties, the travel, etc., etc. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think even if Inter Miami misses the playoffs, I think Phil Neville is staying put. You have to take into into consideration not only his relationship with David Beckham, but the fact that his son and David Beckham's son—they're both playing in Fort Lauderdale CF. They seem pretty established. Not the players, but the families seem pretty established and entrenched here in South Florida. So I don't expect Phil Neville to get the boot, even if they don't make the playoffs. And even if they don't win another game this season. I think he's here for 2022, regardless of what anyone on the outside thinks. I just think Inter-Miami will will stick with him. The next question comes from Gabe P. Not to sound harsh, but Leardham has cost us six points just in this month with mistakes. Do we know how long his contract is for? I hope it isn't long. So I don't know the exact details of Kelvin Leardam's contract. I can look into that. But I would imagine that he's not on a guaranteed deal, meaning he is probably 
or he probably has option years on his contract, meaning that Inter-Miami at the end of the season, like it did with several others last season, could decide to not pick up his option for 2022, and then he will go on and be a free agent or whatever classification he is under MLS's very complex rules. So, look, I think... He hasn't covered himself in glory, but I think it needs to be taken into consideration that he's been asked to play center back, and that's not his natural position. I think at right back, he could be a good option there, at least as a backup, at least as a backup, potentially as a spot starter. I know we haven't seen much of that from him, but when he has played there in moments, I think I've seen enough things for my personal taste that say, all right, I think he could do the job at least as a backup or a spot starter. I don't necessarily think he's the go-to guy there or should be the go-to guy there, but I think as a as a, an experienced depth option, I think he could do better than we've seen as of late, which again, he's been playing center back, he's been playing out of position, and obviously he's had his share of struggles. Next question comes from Sal Paradise. How many players from the current roster do you think will be gone before the start of next season? So this is a very good question and probably, probably one that takes a little more thinking than... The Q&A session allows for, so I will bookmark that question, for lack of a better phrase, and we'll get back to it maybe a little bit later on in the year, but I think we'll see notable changes. I think we're going to see significant changes from Inter-Miami for the second consecutive offseason. Obviously, the way that the team has played this year will lend itself to that, as well as the fact that this team still, by and large, is one that... Chris Henderson and Phil Neville did not build under their vision. This is a team that was built predominantly and largely by Paul McDonough and Diego Alonso before them. So there's probably a lot of pieces that Henderson and Neville want to remove and other players that they want to try and bring in. Of course, taking into consideration that there are limitations because of the sanctions from Matuidi Gate. So I can't give you an exact number. I'd have to really dive into it to give you a proper answer. But I think you will see and we will see a significant amount of change from Inter-Miami this winter. But that does it for the Q&A session this week. I will add my final thought because I'm the only one here on the podcast. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Jose. I am the only one on the podcast. So I'll give my final thought. It has nothing to do with soccer. I watched the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, this past weekend. I was very much looking forward to it as a big James Bond fan, a huge fan of the series. And yes, I'm being a movie critic now, but I did not like it. And I will not spoil it for anybody that's listening that might want to go see it and has not seen it yet. But I just did not like it Overall, I would say it's a decent to good action movie. I just don't think it's a good James Bond movie. I don't think it has enough elements from the established formula in it to really call it a James Bond film. I muttered out loud quietly during the movie halfway through that it just did not feel like a James Bond movie. James Bond movies have a very established formula for how they work it's pretty simple but just did not get that in this film and i'll just leave it at that it looked great it looked great you know from a visual standpoint it looked amazing but i wasn't i wasn't too impressed and the ending was absolutely terrible 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 that's all i'll say i will not say anything else uh, other than, obviously, a lot of people do like it, but there's also been some very traditional James Bond fans that have not, and I am among them. But that does it for my Miami Total Movie Radio 
review. And that does it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much again for listening. Thank you to Jose Armando and Steve Brenner for taking the time to join us this week and being able to have a lengthy and hearty discussion about Inter-Miami and the state of the team going into these final weeks of the season. We hope you enjoyed it. It's a new wrinkle. Let us know what you liked or what you didn't like, what you think we could do better on, if you have any thoughts with regards to that. But again, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back again next week to recap this game against the Columbus Crew and preview what's to come. The schedule is about to get busy for Inter Miami once again during this stretch run. So we'll be back in short order to continue to talk all things Inter Miami. For Steve Brenner, for Jose Armando, I am Franco Panizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio. And we'll talk to you guys again very, very soon.